Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 31. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Because the people, for all, were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who brought, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan, plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing the word of Christ. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you confessing that often we are not very encouraged. Often we are not very bold. Father, often we are weak and anxious. We are often even hopeless in our emotions and our thoughts and our day-to-day circumstances. Father, we believe, but help us in our unbelief to be encouraged by the truth of your word 
that we would find encouragement from things that are true and lasting, that we would not have temporary confidence in things that are passing, but that we would be strengthened with fear of you, but with assurance of your love and your power and your might. Father, as we go through your word this day, I earnestly ask that you would release us from any hardness of heart, that you would open our eyes, that if we are dull of hearing so much that we are mute in not being bold of the proclamations of what you have done, that you would release us of our bondage to any sin, any distraction. Father, I pray in the name of your Son that you would release us from any captivity that Satan may have on any of us here this day to keep us from being empowered with boldness in the hearing of your word. Father, whatever it is that would keep us from not being filled by your spirit and filled with your word, we pray that it would leave this place this day so that we may be able to proclaim and point people to your truth, the truth of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned in the announcements, I have been encouraged lately. Now, I don't want to deceive you all that I am in some kind of be glad in, poly, in some kind of Pollyanna type mindset of things. I am continually in battle with things that are discouraging and continually in battle with things that seem to be Satan trying to bring me down and others down around me. Um, it seems in the last few Sundays, particularly, that the battle has been raging pretty strongly. But the thing is, is that I see it pretty clearly. I've learned more and more in time how to see the deception of Satan, to recognize Satan when he's there. Again, it's, it doesn't mean that I'm not affected by it. It's just that it's encouraging me to see Satan even take on his time <laughs> to come after me in that way, that... Even the fact that when he makes himself known, it's like, oh, so this must be bothering you that you would show up at this time and put this circumstance right before me or before others that I care about. I hope that this particular sermon will be a couple of things. One, I hope it will be an encouragement to you, and I pray that the Lord will truly empower the preaching of the word today, as simple as this sermon will be, that he will empower it by the Spirit and that you would find encouragement from it. But I pray that you would also be emboldened to do something, that it would do more to transform our lives of our little church, that it would empower you with boldness in this time particularly. As we look at the context of that time <coughs> and the context of every time that the Lord has promised us 
that he would go before us and do his will, that we would own it today and see it in a way that it would cause us to go and act to one another, to other Christians that we know, like the, the church that we will fellowship with today at lunch, and with our community, that we would be bold in this day particularly, knowing that the same Lord and the same power that is here in this passage, represented by this special moment, this apostolic age of the building of the church, that that is a promise for us and a hope for us. I know that as I preach this morning that I cannot, again, convince you just by preaching that these things are so, that the Holy Spirit must act in every one of these situations for Peter and for the prayers that the people prayed, that the Spirit has to be there. The Spirit has to be the one to embolden the proclamations of the sovereign Lord and his power so that people could hear. I want to ask you a question, and it's not one that you need to respond, but just to think in your mind. Who is it that you like to be with that brings encouragement to you? Or when you are down or discouraged, who do you find longing to be with and be around? Like when you, your emotional tank is low is how Jennifer sometimes says it in our home that you know that you need some building up. What do you go to when you feel discouraged? Or who do you go to? And think about why is this person or why are these particular practices why are they encouragements for you? What is it that's being effective in your hope of getting nearer to this person or to this practice that would give you a reason to be encouraged? Here in this particular passage is an account of Peter and the other disciples speaking in such a way that they can see boldness. They can see something going on with the proclamation of God's truth that was not just words being said, but it was an actual boldness. They said it in a way that they had a confidence. And there was power in it. And they were afraid. They were so afraid. The, the, the religious leaders that opposed Peter and John and the other disciples, they were afraid of that power in the name of the one that the power came from. They knew the source was not of them. They said they even noticed that they were uneducated men, that there was nothing about these particular men that were powerful in of themselves, but there was a power being displayed by their boldness that came from something. And there were signs of that evidence being said and done, not just in their boldness by the man that continued to stand there with them that had been healed by this power. They didn't mind the men speaking. They didn't want the men to be pointing to where that power comes from. So as we think about boldness and we think about being encouraged, there are times when the Lord has instructed his people to be strong and courageous. 
Now, this is a, a question that I want you to answer. It's a bit of a quiz. Where do you think in the scriptures was one of the first times you would hear the phrase, phrase to take courage, to be strong and courageous? When was that told to God's people in history? I think Rachel knows that she's just afraid. She doesn't, she doesn't have courage to, 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 to maybe have a wrong answer. Or maybe there's something else. She knows she's right, but she doesn't want to show off. What do you think, Rachel? Close. Very close. I mean, it's, it's connected. It, it comes from the same source, but it's not the first time that it's mentioned. He's just following the instruction that it was given by the first source, which would be Moses, <laughs> right? Because Moses, God told Moses to tell people to be strong and courageous. And he told Moses to tell Joshua, particularly to tell the people also. Because he was going to do what? What was Moses going to do? He was going to die. <laughs> He said, I'm 120 years old. God has told me I'm not going to get to go across the Jordan. My part is done. You've got to take it from here. And here's what God told me. And here's what God told me to tell the people. And here's what you've got to tell the people to go tell everybody else to be strong and courageous. And here we have a fulfillment of that strength and that courage that was also a fulfillment of a time where Jesus told them that this would happen. Does anybody remember what Jesus, when Jesus told Peter and John about this courage that they were to have? Do you remember the context of that? He said it precisely, that these things were going to happen. He was telling them, he was telling the disciples of when you will speak, you will go into synagogues and they will kick you out and they will persecute you. And it will cause all kinds of division. In fact, it will cause division in families. And you don't, but you don't need to worry about what, don't be anxious about what you're going to say. If you look at all of your reference Bibles, they will point to Matthew 10. If you look at my little notes that I've given you, I put in here Matthew 10, 16 through 23. And it says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say. For you are to say what you will say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Then we even see pointed out in other passages uh, these, all of these people, all of these people who will be prophesying and proclaiming the things of the Lord are being moved by the Spirit. The Spirit is a necessary component. And we see here in Acts that the Spirit is what's emboldening, encouraging, and strengthening the proclamation of God's Word here. And that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of that power. They're afraid of that authority. It's not just empty words to the enemy of God. They know that there is a power there and an authority there, and they want that squelched. They want that ended. 
That's the thing that they fear. So therefore, if that is what Satan fears, that is the thing that we're to be encouraged in. And so as going back to the Moses story, when Moses was telling Joshua that, listen, you guys are going to go across and it's not going to be easy. In fact, I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it across. But be strong and courageous. There are similar contexts, both in the Matthew passage and in the Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua 1 passage, that God is often telling his people to take courage, to be strong, to be bold when things are not looking good at all. It's not just, hey, be encouraged, things are going to go great. Things are going to grow, go really well. The time that we, if we are going to go to God's word and we're going to look for encouragement, everywhere where he tells us to take courage is going to be in a time where it doesn't seem very encouraging in the context. Think about Peter here and think about Moses here as they are being told to go and to proclaim the word to further the kingdom of God. God has already told Moses, you're not going to make it. You particularly are not going to make it, but my kingdom is going to make it. Peter, you're not going to make it. You're going to be crucified. Now go and tell people to be encouraged. You're going to die. What if... I told you that today (laughs) you need to go and proclaim to everyone, just like Jonathan prayed this morning for the discipleship of our children, go and teach our children of the ways of the Lord. Go and teach this church and and hear them as they teach you the ways of the Lord, as they tell you about what God has done and what God has said. As you go to other people, when you go to family gatherings, when you go to work, when you are in any kind of conversations with your friends, point people back to the power and might of God. Oh, by the way, you're going to die this week. Now, wouldn't you likely, as, in, as most of the world does, you know, you hear people talk about a bucket list, the things you want to do before you kick the bucket, right? It doesn't seem like that would be the encouraging thing to go and just point people to Jesus. Would that be the thing that would be encouraging? A lot of times people talk about, well, I want to live my life to the fullest until it's gone. But here in every place where we're to take courage, it's going to be in the context of discouragement. They come hand in hand. The reason why he's telling us to take courage is because we're not going to be able to take encouragement from our circumstances. In fact, it can look really bleak and grim. That is the time that we are to do greater boldness. They've already seen the opposition here in this particular passage that the people are going to have against them. They already see the threats. They know that their life is at stake. Peter is thinking, well, I'm not quite old yet, so maybe I'm not going to die yet, but I know that it's not going to end well for me. Maybe this is the time. But he goes forth with boldness and encouragement into this world, proclaiming God's truth. We are to take courage in this particular story, that this is a foundation for the church 
But it is also a continuation of how God brings encouragement to his people. When we look at this, we should take courage in knowing that God has kept his promises time and time again. And as we look for ways to build that encouragement up, we should go more to his word. Go to Deuteronomy 31. Go to Joshua 1. And look at the themes that are consistent with Matthew 10 and Acts chapter 4. The contexts are very similar. The hope is very similar. And in Deuteronomy 31, God tells Moses that I am going to go before you. I am going to do what needs to be done to bring victory for you. God is not telling Moses that you need to be bold and courageous because by your actions you will bring about the furthering of the kingdom. He's telling Moses you're not even going to make it. You're not going to be able to accomplish what you hope for on this earth. But I will accomplish for you and for all of my people the things necessary in the furthering of the kingdom. So therefore, be strong and be courageous and teach others to be strong and courageous. What if every hope that you have on this earth for your marriage, for your families, for your business, for your church, for your friendships, What if God told you there's no guarantee that any of those things are going to last? That your marriage may not last? That your family may not last? Now, he's not telling us that. In fact, he, in general, tells us in his word that if we obey his ways, that that we we will live long on the earth and things will go well for us. But he also tells us there'll be persecution and there'll be a reaction to the proclamation of his truth. So we live in this kind of world, like, what are you going to do, Lord? But all he's telling us to do is to to be courageous and to keep moving forward and trusting him that he will bring about the overall hope and the great hope of all things. But how do we take courage? Well, we have to take courage in looking at what God promises. So when we look at the story of Moses, he's basically saying that I am going to accomplish what I am going to do I will bring about the fulfillment of my promises. The only thing you need to do is to basically take refuge in the things in which I have said and to follow me, to do what I tell you to do. That's taking refuge. He's not saying that by doing the things that I tell you to do, that that's going to accomplish the work. He's saying that you are actually following me and taking refuge in me if you do the things that I tell you to do. But when he tells Moses that in Deuteronomy 31, he actually goes ahead and gives them a fast forward and says, the people aren't going to do it. They are going to rebel. But because I am doing what I'm going to accomplish, and because I am going to fulfill my promises, you will have a hope if you turn back to me. If you repent and you believe and you trust in me and submit yourself unto me, then you will have redemption. Because I am going to accomplish this. I am going to do this work. And you tell Joshua that, and Joshua should tell the people that, and they should continue on this message of good news that I am going to go before you, 
and I am going to be victorious. Now Moses died and did not get to see the promised land. But Peter, as we look here in this particular story, Peter met Moses face to face. Does anybody remember when Peter met Moses face to face? At the transfiguration. Moses got to see the fulfillment of that glory. Now, Moses didn't get to finish his earthly work, maybe as he would have preferred, or maybe he was done at that point. (laughs) I'm sure that he was disappointed not to see the promised land. But he did get to see the glory of Jesus Christ. Peter's already seen the glory of Jesus Christ. And even then, Jesus told him, you're going to deny me. Very much like he told Moses, my people are going to deny me. They're going to go after false gods. But because I keep my promises and I am faithful and I am steadfast in my love, I will save my people. Just as he saved and redeemed Peter. Here's Peter and John standing before these people, and all they have is the hope of what God has promised them. They're saying, you know what, whatever you are thinking you need to do and who you need to obey, but we can only do what we've seen and what we've heard. We've seen the glory of God. We, We know the promises. We've heard his proclamation, and we can only respond to the things that he tells us to respond to. That's the only thing we can hope in. I cannot, we cannot hope in you. We cannot hope in men. We cannot hope in your proclamations. We cannot respond to your threats. We already know and fear God, and therefore we must obey you. So we should take courage and be courageous in knowing that God has kept his promises time and time again. And here we get to see a very clear presentation of that because Jesus told them specifically, this is going to happen to you You don't need to worry about even what you say. I will give you the Spirit, and you will proclaim before them my truth and my hope. Therefore, they had a boldness that they did not have to fear that they were uneducated men, that they were common men, that they were merely fishermen, that God was going to take them and bring forth his glory. So not only are we to take courage in knowing that God will keep his promises with his action by seeing it time and time again, we can take courage that knowing that God will use your circumstances to bring forth his glory and good. Isn't it the temptation and the lie of Satan that when you think you know what God is going to do to bring about glory and hope in your life, When he thwarts it, Satan's the first person there saying, he must not be there. God must not be using you after all. He must have abandoned you. It didn't work. Well, he's already told the same thing to Moses. He told Moses specifically, he says, what the people are going to do When they quit taking refuge in me and they seek after other gods, the first thing that they're going to say is, God is no longer with us. He's not blessing us. He's not doing this thing with us. He must have abandoned us. 
Well, the problem is not that God has ever abandoned his people. He's promised that he would be with them. He promised them in Deuteronomy 31. He promises us in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 that he will be with us. But when we walk away from taking refuge in him, Satan is going to tell us, just like he told Eve, God's not really being straight up with you here. He's not connected to you like you think he is. The circumstances will seem bleak and they will seem difficult. But what God typically does all the time is he will use your circumstances and those particular things to bring about his glory and good. The circumstances for Peter was that he was a fisherman. He was not an articulate, educated person like those who are standing around him. But it was because of God using that circumstance that it highlighted the boldness and the power of God that it brought fear to the enemy of God. It was the very weakness that Peter had that God was able to be glorified even more. It was the very weakness that Moses had. Moses is like, I can't do this. And look at what he did with Moses. But then we see this very clearly in the portrayal and the pointing to of Jesus Christ that he took every circumstance and every detail that he could to point out the smallness and the weakness of where Jesus came from. He wanted to point out his power and his might by taking the weakest circumstances to bring forth his glory and the good for his people and his kingdom. We can be encouraged that it is in those particular moments when we feel like we are at the lowest of our hope and the lowest moment of what we anticipated, that that is what God is going to take to bring forth his power. But like he told Joshua and what Joshua told the people, says, Only be focused on this one thing. As you are being strong and courageous, just simply do what he tells you to do. Obey him. Take refuge in him. Trust him. So we may ask ourselves, what do we do? I can stand here and say, guys, be encouraged. Jesus has already gone before us. He's already accomplished All the things that he has promised that he would do by defeating sin and death on the cross. Just be encouraged. And go out there and be happy. But what does Jesus tell us in the Great Commission? He tells us to go therefore and baptize and make disciples and teach them everything that I have taught you. Everything in my word. Everything in my law. I will be with you. The only thing that we have to do is obey God. That is what we're taking refuge in. If you go back and look at Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua 1, it's always interwoven with the people of God taking the law of God with them. As they're taking the law of God with them, that represents that God is with them. As they are taking the word of God with them, It is declaring to the world that God is with them. 
Wherever the word of God is absent means that we have walked away from the word of God or walked away from the presence of God. We are the ones who walk away from him. He does not walk away from us. He has given us his word. Like I mentioned in our prayers this morning, we have been given his word. He has given us an abundance of the proclamation of his word. Do we go there and do we feast on that? We are to take courage in his power and the things that he says has power. The things that are of his authority and name. That, are, that is the thing that they are afraid of. So when we see them afraid, when we see Satan tempting us away from the things that are of substance, those are the things we need to run to. We need to recognize the conditions that are typically there when Satan is doing the things that he's always done. And we need to recognize where our hope should be. That is why I point you back to Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua 1. That is why when Moses and Joshua were proclaiming courage and strength and hope to the people of God, they always bring in the commandments of God. That is the refuge covering that he has provided for us to have a hope in. So going back to the questions that I gave you, who do you go to for encouragement? And what is it that they do to encourage you? Do these people encourage you by pointing you back to the truths of God? Do they point you back to the realities of God? Now, sure, it is good to receive encouragement from people when they point out particular things that God may have embedded in you and your personality and your life and your gifting, I think that is a very good thing to do, to say, hey, the Lord has gifted you with this ability or the Lord has gifted you with this. And you remind them, look what the Lord has done in your life. Look what the Lord has done for you. But more importantly, as we see in the scriptures, that he tends to point to, look what God has done. Look at what I have kept in my steadfast love and promises to you. Is that what encourages you? The Pharisees and the high priest here, they said they recognized, or the Bible says that they recognized that the disciples had been with Jesus. Do people recognize in you that you have been with Jesus? As you know, Knox and I went to New York this week and I was, I don't think I prayed in preparation enough of the, just the influence that being in the city would have on me. I've, I've been there multiple times and I should have been aware, but the, as I was telling Maroose, the smells and the, and the environment and the busyness and the, just everything, it was, everything was having an impact on me. But when I went in there, just the buildings and the people and passing by so many people and, and light interactions with this person or that person and seeing men dress up like women and just different things going on, just an overload. Maroose is familiar with that as they, you know, they try to see every year, they don't go more, when they were living up there, they didn't go in the city more than every other year or so because it's just, it's just overpowering. 
But it was interesting on our last day up there, as we're leaving, we're we're walking away from Times Square, heading to Penn Station, and there's you know there's people begging for money, and there's you know marijuana is legal there, and so there's the stench of marijuana is very strong in New York City now. Um, why people are so attracted to it it's horrible and so you're we're past i think we're just shortly passing a store that knocks night that it was a weed store on the corner there and um you know you saw some guys like homeless guys says need weed you know they're not even like you know they're not even trying to cover it up anymore like i'm hungry and they're like i need some weed you know people giving them money you know go get some weed and so there's a very negative influence, but I'm walking, and I remember I've been getting, I'm just stepping onto the street, and I was hearing a, a guy, I guess he, he had a little box or something for money in front of him, and he had a trumpet. And I, I remember seeing him sitting there, and all the noise, I wasn't really paying attention to the tune, but as I'm crossing the street, I noticed that he's playing. There's power in the blood. And I stopped in the middle of the street, and I looked back, and I, and I was torn because we were trying to get back, and I was running late because I needed to get back to the hotel to, to finish up some sermon prep. And I was standing there, and I was just like, wow, that's refreshing. He was playing on his trumpet. There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. And I was like, thank you, Lord. What a, what a refreshing thing in the, in the middle of all of this. And, and I just, I looked at the guy and I was thinking, it's so good to see someone who knows Jesus, who knows the power of the blood. And I was so encouraged by that little tune. It took me a second. I was like, what, what is that? Oh, it's the power in the blood. There's power in the blood. And I'm thinking about the sermon prep and here, and I should have gone back and I feel bad that I didn't. That I didn't go back and just have a conversation with this guy. People you know, walk across the street. You're afraid you're going to get run over. You only have a few seconds to get across the street. Was, and I should have gone back. And I feel so bad that I didn't give him some encouragement after him giving me encouragement. And I, I hope maybe one day I'll get to see him again. <laughs> maybe I'll recognize him and hear him play his trumpet again. But think about what you are as you... Take courage in these things that we have here. Think about your calling to encourage other people in the very truths that are being proclaimed here. Do you encourage others, like that guy with the trumpet, by letting other people know that you've been with Jesus? The only way you can answer that question is, are you with Jesus? Do you spend time with Jesus? Do you spend time going to His Word? Do you spend time in your life seeing how your obedience has been a refuge to you? We probably could give an account more of how often in our disobedience that His promises have been fulfilled in the destruction of our earthly idols I did this thing and I lost this relationship I did this thing and I brought forth this scar in my life and my heart I did this thing and I became addicted to something and my addictions cause other people pain 
and suffering. Those are all promises that God has given us. God has promised us what He's going to do for His people, but then He's also promised us that as He has called us to follow Him, He has said, if you follow Me and take refuge in Me and obey My commandments, you can have confidence that I will continue to protect you. But if you do not stay in My Word, if you do not follow My Word, if you go after other gods... There will be destruction. He says it in simple ways, like in Proverbs. Very simple things, like if you're around people who are wise, it will go well with you. If you're around fools, there will be destruction. Just who you're around. Who do you go to for encouragement? What is it that you go to to be encouraged? And what is it that you do to encourage others? He wants us to take courage... But then he wants us to encourage. And what that encourage means is what it sounds like, though it's not spelled exactly like that, is to put courage into other people. Well, what is it that you're going to put in other people if you do not have it yourself? You first must be with Jesus. You must first understand the power of Jesus. In this age, and I say this, and I, and I, I sometimes ask myself whether I should go here again and again because I feel like you're going to get tired of it. Do you reshape your understanding of Jesus' life to be blessing your idols? I, I hear it from people all the time when they give me their te- the testimony of who Jesus is in their life. It is 90% of the time, God is good because... He let me get this job, or God is good because He let me get this car, or God is good because it's always things that are passing. Now, we know that He uses these physical things like He uses this 40-year-old man to show His power, but that is about 90% of the proclamations of what I hear from people today of being, this is my evidence of the power of God. And if that's all your hope is based on, when that job is gone, or when that relationship is gone, or when that car is gone, or your health is gone, what hope do you have? It's usually in those moments where we are brought back to our hope, our true love, when our health is taken away. We go, God, where were you? What happened? So when we have conversations with people, do we tend to focus on those particular things? Do we focus on those things that are passing? Are we putting encouragement in people? Or are we doing the same thing that all of the rest of the world is doing to indoctrinate us? to take hope and encouragement in things that are of death. The things that are passing. We must encourage other people by telling people what God has done. And if we haven't been in His Word, if we haven't been eating of His bread, we have no bread to give to other people. We must teach everything that Jesus has said. We must feed the sheep. If we love Jesus, we can only feed the sheep with the food and the bread of Jesus, which is his word. 
He is the bread of life. It's not our life of success on earth that will feed people any kind of hope. And if we tell people that, oh, because I'm a Christian and because I go to church occasionally and because I do these things and because I pray, I have success in my life, that is what the prosperity gospel is all about, which is leading people to hell. We must encourage by understanding one another's circumstances in seeking to see them in light of the love and work of God. We need to know people and what they're going through. We can't just give them little catchphrases of things and pretend that we understand. We must understand and we must take their burdens with them, but we must understand and seek how their particular burdens and circumstances are in light of what God has said. And we must give them the hope that comes from the things that the Word of God has said about their circumstances. If we see someone in sin, we need to want to give them hope by calling them to repentance and forgiveness. If we see them in faithfulness but having a negative response from other people, we need to encourage them by going to the Word and say, this has happened before for many of God's people. Look what God had done for them in the midst of persecution and suffering God always kept his promises time and time again. But we also must encourage by all that Christ has given us to encourage. I've said this before. When you come here to worship the Lord and pray together, that is your calling to do to build each other up. So many people think about coming to church and I wonder if the music's going to lift me up. I wonder if, you know, the message is going to maybe touch on a point where I'm, where I'm suffering and that's going to lift me up. But do you come here, and that's good to come here for food, but do you come here to encourage? Do you realize your participation in the worship and in the prayers of the saints is what God has given us to encourage one another. What do we do when we come together? We praise the Lord in song. The songs of God's works do multiple things. They reassure us of what God has done and what He will do. But you know, His songs also convict us. If you go back to Deuteronomy 31, right after God told Moses to go and encourage them, to tell them to be strong and courageous. Moses, one, went and he got the law together, got the word of God in front of him and the law of God in front of him, and then he wrote a song. And it says the purpose of this song is to encounter them when they do sin, to convict them of sin. Do you realize that when you sing the praises and the glory and might of God to one another, one of the things that God intends for that to do is to convict each other of sin. To remind us that it's not our power. When we are reading and singing holy, 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 we are to be reminded of our unholiness and our need for his salvation. 
And then we're to encourage each other by serving one another. And the next sermon is going to be about the contrast between Barnabas and... Um, my mind went blank. The, uh, no, um, Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> the, two, the two different contrasts of, of serving with their goods and the things that the Lord has provided for them. What was the purposes of one versus the other? Well, it was a matter of whether they were wanting to build up one another or whether they were wanting to build up themselves. We are called together to praise together. We are called together to pray together. And we are called together to serve together for the purposes of encouraging one another. Why do you think that Satan right now, in this time that our nation needs encouragement the most, is one of the areas that he has been able to tempt pastors and elders and deacons and congregations and members of churches to quit coming together for the proclamation of God's praises? Because he knows that is one of the things that the Lord has given us for encouragement. And what has been the fruit of that in our nation? An increase in suicides. Here they are, people going to school board meetings as we're going into the fall, and people are reacting to the fact that they're having to put these mandates on the, on the children again. And that's a good thing. I'm glad to see people responding. I wish in many cases they would just go ahead and take their children home and teach them the truth <laughs> instead of, leaving them in there so they wouldn't even have to argue with the school boards. But here they are having to fight with the authorities who have come together to conspire against the truth. They don't even realize that they've been brought together to conspire against the truth, but they're coming together to conspire against the truth, saying that this is the fear that we need to worry about, this virus, when more... Young people died from suicide last year. An, extra, an extraordinary high number of people died from suicide last year. And, and hardly any children died from the virus. They're taking the things that are typically connected to encouragement and they're taking that away. And the church is saying, we'll do it too. This is the calling for the church is to come together to be bold. We are going to have to be even more bold than what we were called to do last year. That was just a test. And most of the churches in our nation failed. Many of the churches in our nation failed. I wouldn't say most. I wouldn't know the number precisely. But a lot of churches, and we probably failed in many different ways. I'm being bold as God has called us to do. So do we want to be encouraged? Do we want to be encouraging to one another? Well, we must go to Jesus Christ. As the beginning passage indicated, that he has proclaimed to us many different things about being strong and courageous in many different ways. He did it through Moses, and he did it through Joshua. And in this particular age, he has done it in Jesus Christ. A far better proclamation of that good news and hope. We have even more to be encouraged in. We're on the other side of Moses getting to see the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. We're on the other side of his people seeing the risen Lord. 
We have so much to be encouraged by. Why would we want to take the things of the world, the false gods? Why would we turn to the false gods like Israel did when we've seen it laid out for us so clearly from age to age and into this end age, into the church age? Why would we want to go back there as if Jesus has not freed us from the bondage of sin and death. That is why I prayed this morning that in any area where we are continuing to pretend that we are still in bondage. See, the the interesting thing about the New Testament is there's two different places for people when they're in sin. One, they are given fully to bondage because they have not come to the understanding of Jesus Christ. And then there's the Christians who have been given the promises and who have been given the hope. And then they keep going back like they're Gentiles. They go back like they're in bondage. They go back like they're still a slave to sin. And we go around being discouraged and hopeless and not proclaiming a hope that we have in God's word. Today we'll come to the table and it's here for encouragement. To encourage us to take hold of the bread of life and to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. For those who are in bondage to sin, who have never come to a place of repentance, it's a reminder of what God's people have for hope. And for us who often go back and forth like Peter did, like Israel did, it's to remind us that our hope and strength is in him, that he's already gone before us and defeated sin and death on the cross. And all we are called to do is to continue to proclaim those things and to follow him in obedience. That is why we are called to come to him in obedience here. And it will be testing for us when we are here and when we feel like maybe the week hasn't been that great or maybe things that we in our life in the past couple of months haven't been so great. And when we look and say, well, we wish there were more people here in this feast with us. It may seem discouraging, but God says, be strong and be courageous. Take and eat and drink. For as often as you do it, You proclaim the hope of my death until you experience the fulfillment of the hope of his return. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for keeping your promises. And we ask now, in this age and in this time and in our life, as we look at those before proclaiming in boldness, praying that you would make us bold. Make all of those who are proclaiming your name to make them bold. We ask that you would do the very thing that is necessary for that boldness. We ask that you would fill us with your spirit so that we may follow you in obedience and proclaim your glory to this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand and let us sing praises to him for all that he has given us and sustained us with this week. Glory be.